We appreciate you and would love to give you the opportunity to grow with your fellow craft beer professionals. Be sure to mark your calendars for June 19th to 21st, 2023 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin for CBP Connects presented by Arrive POS. Join other industry decision makers for a networking and educational experience like none other. Three nightly receptions, two days of interactive workshops, and one not-to-miss experience. I can't wait to see you in Milwaukee. Visit cbpconnects.com to lock in your spot. See you there. Hey, everybody. Beer and Cheese, a perfect match, an opportunity to create unique events in your taproom. We are excited to have Kara Warren and Adam Levy for a conversation on how to establish a cheese program at your brewery. We're going to talk about types of cheeses, how to source them, how much to order, and proper care. You will leave this session hungry for a game plan on how to make cheese an added part of your taproom experience. But before we dive deep into cheese, let's get to know our guest. And Kara, because you are to the right of me, you get to go first. Awesome. Andrew, thank you for having me. This is I'm happy to be here. Um, so hi, guys in the brewery world. I'm Kara Warren. I am a cheese sales rep for Insignia Saint Mare, so that's a dairy cooperative. But I also have the pleasure of being a host of a podcast called Cutting the Curd and the quote unquote cheese wife, an expert of cheese for Adam Levy for the New York International Cheese Competition. So, um, therefore, an all around curd nerd. And uh, I'm happy here to talk about cheese today. I love all the puns so far. It's going to be a great conversation today. Adam, you're up. Sure. My name is Adam Levy. I'm known as the alcohol professor and today also the cheese professor. Uh, I started the New York International Spirits Competition 14 years ago, followed by the wine competition, now the New York International Beer Competition, International Cider Competition five years ago. Uh, we showcased the winners from our competitions uh, on our sites, the alcohol professor, as well as the cheese professor. And we tried to do pairing articles as well, showing winning beers and ciders from our competitions with winning cheeses. So very happy to be here. Really happy that Kara's on this here on this platform because Kara's just a great voice in the cheese industry. She's very modest about it, but she's won some cheese awards and cheese competitions herself uh, in the cheese mongrel world, and she has great knowledge. So I'm really happy to have her a on our team and b you know on this podcast with you. Awesome, and Kara, Adam's bragging about you a little bit. So, what's one of the awards that you're most proud of that you have under your belt? Oh gosh, well, um, okay. Be prepared. It's super geeky. Um, there is a Guild de Fromagères, which is basically like a chapter of monks uh, based in France that have given me uh, an award and uh, I've been inducted into their guild. So I'm a Guild de Fromagère, a garde jour, as they say. Um, and I'm, I'm most proud of that because uh, it's a very strange, unique thing to be a part of. Um, so I'm, I'm proud of that. And then I guess the second most, sorry, I'll add one more is I'm a certified cheese professional from the American Cheese Society. And um, you have to study a lot. You have to put, I think, at least 10,000 hours of work into it. So it, it's not the easiest thing to get, but I, I'm super proud I was able to pass and do that. And I imagine you have to eat a little bit of cheese along the way. I mean, that's the only way to learn about cheese. You can study <laughs> all you want, but I think the best way is to be a cheesemonger at a shop and eat all the cheese you can. And I mean, how else can you tell the difference between like 10 different cow's milk cheeses? You know, that's you have to, you just have to keep tasting. It's like beer. You have to keep tasting it. I am so excited to learn from you today. Those are some amazing accomplishments. So let's just dive in. You know, I love beer. I love cheese. Why should a brewery consider adding a cheese program in their taproom? I think it's to be more dynamic, period. I mean, not a lot of breweries have it yet. Um, I think you can go really local with it. You can go imported. Again, it's all about style, um, all about style and grace and just like 
putting that together um, is very cool. And also, I think it adds revenue. I think if you can figure out the math and the details of it and start to understand cheese a little better, you can you can pull in some money on it. I mean, I know when I'm in the tap room, you know, food's going to keep me a little bit longer too. I'm going to be more likely to buy that second pint or third pint or hang a little bit longer with my family for sure. And there's just, the, and then there's the obvious snackability factor, yes. And then I think and 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 making everything seem so much more delicious and tasty and romantic because here you are, you you can bring it back to the classics or um, the artisan movement and just like putting it all together, it just embellishes everything else. It's just super great. I think what's also good is that we learned, especially during COVID, is that people want a food program or we have to sell food to sell the beer. You know, some type of, there were some restrictions during COVID, like you can only sell liquor with food. And here's a great chance to have a, even a takeaway program, not just serving in the brewery, but also a takeaway program. Like take your growler with you along with a plate of cheese. I mean, these are these opportunities for you for so those other source of revenue to take for this. No, and absolutely. That's a great opportunity for, again, you already have the people in front of you. You want them to stay longer. You want to bring the families to come together. It gives you a chance also to also work with your local partners in your area. I think this is a fantastic topic to have. I mean, events are something breweries are putting a lot of focus on these days. And, you know, an event that includes food, especially food people are already familiar with, it is a great way to just, you know, have your audience, you know, stick around even longer. Now, Kara, you know, I know my usual places I pick up cheese, but I imagine it's a little bit different for breweries that are looking to try to source cheese for a program like this. Talk to me a little about, you know, local distributors, national distributors. Where should breweries be looking to get this cheese? So it, it really comes down to your knowledge of cheese. If you don't need a lot of help handholding, you can go to the national guys um, and find a way to get to their catalog so you can pick it and choose it yourself. Um, the regional guys are great too, but then they can offer a little more help. They might have a few more local cheeses. And then I like to think if you're going boutique style where it's like you have someone who has probably got a CCP like myself, they love cheese. They're gonna come to your place and bring samples. Um, I think then that's that's a great option too. But it's all about how much time and knowledge do you have to think about cheese, and then you can choose from there. And then also think about the pricing from there because the boutique guy will cost more, but the national guy might be like not as much. You know, it's it's really getting to know what you're most comfortable with to pick that relationship. Do you think there's a good place to start for a brewery list first looking to get into the cheese game? I, you know, it's a tough question. It's also like what's available to you based where your brewery is, right? Like if you can only have, say, a Cisco, you just have to go with Cisco. But I, I think more and more there's more regional guys opening up. There are people who are trying to expand what's available. So I, maybe start with a regional. Regional is a great way to go. The middle guy in between. So reach out, get to know your local or your regional distributor. But then, like, you know, how much do you start with? If you're looking to add cheese in, you know, yeah. how much did you, you know, get on hand to get this going? So funny enough, as a salesperson, I'm going to say less is more <laughs> because I think then you can actually focus and train your brewery staff to understand the cheeses, where if you go like 10 different cheeses, you're going to drive yourself insane. I start with three, start with three bestsellers, um, you know, say like a Swiss Alpine style, like Kalahaker or a Moloturno Tartufo, which is an Italian cheap smoked with truffle, or say a French brie, like the Sydney brie that I sell. Like any of those options, you put them on a cheese plate, they'll work really well. You go with like your top best three. And I think you're you're golden, you know. Don't don't overcomplicate it. I think that's and buy a big wheel of cheese because if you buy lots of small pieces, they'll dry out, they'll die, you know, like go big. Go big, but don't buy a lot. 
at the same time. And when you're looking at these cheeses, I imagine you should be looking at the beer menu you plan to have on when these cheeses will be served just to make sure they're a good match. Or you know, does that not matter as much? Is it more about just the overall cheese experience and these cheeses will work with many styles of beer? Yeah. So like certain ones, like, uh, for example, Hollahawker is one that will go with everything. Brie tends to go with a lot. So like, and the truffle cheese, okay, might be tricky. So think about that one because it has that truffle, strong, intense truffle flavor. But um, yeah, it, it's good to go with the, the classics and the bangers because like a cheddar per se or something like that. Um, maybe instead of just doing like the black of cheddar, go with like a Vermont cheddar or a cloth bound cheddar. Like those are the nuances that you can look for. And then um, if you can try the beer and the cheese together first, I highly, highly recommend eating some cheese with it first and then planning that menu and then looking at the pricing as well you know you know i think trying the cheese is a fundamental part of this experience if you want to craft the right experience for your guests you have to understand that and one thing you noted you know having 10 new cheeses at your start of your new program might be a little overwhelming for your team you know what type of activities or education is available for you know brewery staff so they can be properly trained on cheese totally well one first pick right off the top of my head is adam's uh, cheese professor site they have a lot of super great articles they have a great editor there amy um She's just really good at getting the best writers and, and getting the best content. So I totally would look at that. Um, and then there's just like the classic books as well. There's the Cheese Primer by Jenkins, Steve Jenkins. That's an old school one. So some of it's a little out of date, the knowledge, but um, anything by Max McCallan's also great. So anything um, books wise, I go to first and then the online stuff, because a lot of the online stuff, they copy and paste from other weird places. And so it's not always accurate. So the books are better on this one sometimes. Love it. Now, Adam, talk to me a little bit more about, you know, what we can find in the cheese professor and what types of resources you have there for someone just getting into the cheese world. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, and Kara mentioned that. Sorry for my background, uh, New York noise. Uh, basically, we do a lot of pairing articles. And you I mean, we'll say like, here are five interesting porters and stouts with three interesting cheeses, you know, and we use Kara type people for our articles. So you'll find a lot of good content on pairings uh, on the cheese professor as well as the alcohol professor website. And if you get, if you are looking at, let's say you are a brewer and you have, let's say a wide range of stouts and you look in Google search at you know, stouts and beer pairing, cheese pairings, you'll find a lot of content for us. Do both of you feel that offering cheese is something that should just be offered at the counter for any time a guest orders just as an add on for their experience? Or do you prefer doing, you know, just more event like, you know, a pairings where you're going to have those flight of beers served with that flight of cheese? What do you recommend uh, for me, I think it's better to be consistent and have it every day. I, I, I And also, I, I was going to make this point earlier in that you don't need a kitchen. It's like logistically easier, too. You just need a low boy. You just need some refrigeration and some really good cheese knives. So for me, it's a great way to have, um, you know, people stay a little while longer, get that cheese snack. I, I think it's great to offer it all the time because events then you get overwhelmed, too, like with the amount. Like everyone's in there for like an event. It's like 50 people plus and you're trying to cut cheese. Nobody likes that. <laughs> like, I think it's, I mean, maybe business-wise you like it, but it can be tough. So I think it's Work better. Work your way up to that, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. I And and then maybe have that local cheesemonger cheese shop help you out, you know? Maybe they can do some of the cutting work. Get no, to recap. Sorry, Carrie, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Just like, uh, like I was saying, you can work with a local cheese shop or cheese group uh, producer, and they can, like, maybe send a monger out there and help you do the event, and you can uh, co-brand it, you know, something like that might work even if you're yeah, going great, great idea for a partnership. Indeed. Now, looking back at some of those cheeses you mentioned earlier, I'd love you to recap, let's say like the top five cheeses you typically would recommend to a brewery to get started. Yeah. So like I was mentioning before, there's a cheese called Holla Hawker. Holla. 
Um, and that's a Swiss Alpine style cheese. They're super easy to eat. Um, the other one I was mentioning was the Moliterno Tartufo, which is a Pecorino sheep smoked cheese from Italy with truffle. Uh, then there's the brie, the Sydney brie that I love. It's very buttery, easy to eat, um, 60% double creme. Um, if you want to go one step above uh, double creme brie, you can go to triple creme, which is a uh, super butterfat. It's over 72% butterfat. Um, and then you can do briotte savran or um, there's a local New York one called Kunick that's nationally sold. Um, and then another style is the cheddar. I was mentioning before, so cloth bound cheddar, uh, Jasper Hill and Cabot sell. They do one Cabot cloth bound, uh, aged by Jasper Hill. And also that's a note, sorry to cheese knowledge going around here. There are producers and then there are people who age the cheese. So it's if you start to see things like that, you're getting into better quality. The fact that there are two groups attached to this is um, it's it's cool because someone specializes in aging the cheese. They pick the cheese and then they decide how long it'll age. Um, that's a true art form. It derives from France. It's called affinage. Um, so sorry, I did a little curveball there. <laughs> but uh, OK, so we did brie cheddar and then uh, you could do fresh things. You could do mozzarella. You could do feta. But again, these are styles of cheese also that I went through. So that's when you start to learn more, you can kind of pick those. You can go stinkier with wash rind styles, like a Plas. You can go to Telegio from Italy. Telegio is a good one. Telegio is not very expensive. It's like an Italian brie, but it has an orange outside. So it's a little bit funky, but not too funky. So that's okay. That's off the top of my head. Those are a bunch of really great cheeses to start with. I feel like we could talk a lot more than an hour about cheese today. I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is fantastic. I'm loving this. You're making me a little hungry right now. So the breweries decide upon the cheese they want. Should they yeah. buy it by the wheel per pound or by the unit? What's the difference when we're looking at how to buy cheese? Yeah, I mean, that's a great thing just to even understand for your um, from the monetary perspective, because sometimes when you buy by the each, it's actually way more expensive. You really got to look at it, break it down to the ounce. Um but I think it's important to know the difference because you may think something's cheaper than it really is. Um, I think buying by the wheel is fantastic, especially if you're a busy brewery. Why not? Um, you're going to get more for your money and it will stay alive longer. It won't dry out. It won't. The, the smaller pieces, like I was saying before, you get, they'll die. They'll become overripe. The bigger it is, the size wise of the wheel, it's better. Um, if you're doing it by the unit, I will say the nice part is that can look really attractive on a cheese plate if you're giving just like a whole piece of cheese. Um, if you can figure out the pricing and the pairing with that, that can look really cool, but you want to make sure you get the right amount of money for it. I think what Kara mentioned earlier is that it's very important to start, not say simple, but simple, you know, start with three or four and see what really goes through and see what, again, we can see it's going to be really interesting for, let's say a Southwest brewery to go more a spicier Jack type style because they, they prefer that compared to, let's say, some of the Midwest ones that's a different other style of cheese or the different type of style of beer. So I would start off simple three or four in the beginning, as Kara's mentioning, and then see what's really selling through or what people are reordering from it. And you can also pre-plate it, as Kara mentioned earlier. You know, you could have like maybe two or three, you know, in the fridge ready to go when someone does come in. Okay, here's three, boom, boom, boom. They're already pre-cut. Get another plate going after that. I mean, I wish one of my local breweries had that pre-plated cheese. I could just go in and order every time I order that fantastic lager I always get. I mean, and that's part of the takeout. You know, that gives you the takeout option also. You pick up that growler or whatever it is, and you say, I'll take the I'll take the plate with me. Well, a neat thing about cheese, too, is it's something that you can serve immediately. Like if you go and order a pizza or more, some sort of hot meal, it's going to take you know 10 to 20 minutes or so for it to come out. If you have cheese pre-cut, it's immediate, which I really mm -hmm. like that option. Yeah, and, and that kind of goes into the, like, how you cut the cheese as well. Like, 
you don't want to make it like too thin. It's kind of nice to have bigger chunks so that you get the full flavor and like there's a better mouthfeel to it. If you just do like shavings or something like that could be really waxy and not so great. So it's great to know that like the shape, should you like twist a knife and make it look like kind of um, like granular, like cool pieces of cheese or is it better to do like little triangles, which can look great with the, um, like a basic sheep's milk manchego that can look really cool with say a fig jam and a honey. You have a little charcuterie and like you're good and that could be 20 bucks and it's set up and it's good. Let's go, you know? Um, I think it's also just fun. I'm, I'm going into the cool fun part and that's once you get that going. We're going to dive a little deeper into that in a minute, but one thing you mentioned a minute ago, you know, was shelf life. So how can brewery staff understand how long a cheese is good for? Are there, are there codes, best buy dates? You know, how do we know that the cheese might not be fit to still serve to a customer? Totally. So a lot of it is just um, using your senses at first. I mean, cheese is like all food stuff. I think it has to have these best buy dates and, but cheese is a living, breathing thing and it can go longer most often than the dates. Um, but I will say, like, if something is super brown and wet looking, that's not good. If it's very dried out, that's not good. If it actually smells bad in a way that you can't deal with, that's not good. <laughs> um, if something is really sour and bitter, that's not good. I know some people try to play that off like, oh, it's the cheese. It's like, not really. That's the very, very end of a cheese life. So um, I think it's super important to understand, one, what bad cheese looks like. Um, and then second, I would say... Um, if it's a U.S. Uh, dated thing, you'll you'll know what a Best Buy looks like. But if it's a lot code, like three numbers, um, it's good to reach out to the producer to follow out what that means, when it was made. Um, usually it, it works with a Julian calendar where each day has a number. And uh, that's the date of production. But you don't know, like, oh, is it 85 days from production or is it 100 days? You know, so it's good to kind of maybe get to know who made that cheese and they'll tell you what the Best Buy is. Good info there. And then when it comes to, you know, serving cheese and proper handling of cheese, you know, what are some best practices you recommend? Well, oh, I'll tell you one right now. <laughs> Use a uh, cheese paper for wrapping up your cheese and then put plastic wrap over it. Because for the cheese paper, can we get this at the grocery store? We can be getting it from the distributor. Where is this coming from? So if you have a friend at Whole Foods, you can get the paper <laughs> just from their counter. Um, no, but also uh, parchment paper is great. Um, and there is a group... Um, I don't remember the brand exactly off the top of Formaticum. There we go. Formaticum is a brand that makes cheese paper, but um, it's it's maybe on the more expensive. So parchment paper is the cheaper. But if you want to be like, this is made for cheese paper, that's a very good one. And then you put the plastic wrap over that, um, and it will stop the cheese from drying out, drying out, and it won't get a plasticky flavor. Which is that's another thing to think about. Oh, uh, big time! Before you cut a piece of cheese off the wheel, um, take a thin layer off. Because even though I'm saying we're doing all the safe care stuff, it still will get like um, like an oxidized, you, you know what I mean? When you take the first bite of something that's been in the fridge and nobody really understands that unless they've been like serving cheese forever and ever, but it sucks when you get a bite like that. So it's best to like trim that little bit off before you start serving it to people. That's really interesting. So that's your chance to make a first impression. So if that first impression is that oxidized bite, oh, it man, might not yeah. go as well as you hope. It's an epic fail. I mean, I've had it happen to me where someone's like really excited to show me some cheese and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And then I, I take a bite and I'm like, oh shit, you didn't clean this. You didn't like take this little swipe off. Like you gotta, and, and you know, just make it look cool. If, if you can make it like a, a long square rectangle type piece or a triangle piece, um, something a little more refined is, is a nice approach as well. So you say clean the cheese. How do we clean the cheese? Just taking like a nice cheese knife, like a thin, um, 
So if it's a creamy cheese, you want to use a thinner knife so it doesn't stick to the knife. Um, if it's a firmer cheese, you it's good to have a knife that um, doesn't have a pointy edge because you don't want to, you know. So because there's like a way it works when you're cutting, you have to push down on one side to get the cheese cut. So um, yeah, that's that. Those are my rules for cutting cheese right now. A little bit. It, it takes practice though. There's cheese wires too. Um, that's helpful as well. So let's go a little bit deeper into you know the cutting of the cheese because we're talking about knives and cutting. You know, what are some other tips you have for brewery when they're just getting into this with regard to, you know, how they should, what utensils they should have, you know, how many different types of cheese knives should they have? You know, is there a few certain cuts they should be aware of that make it easy for them? That way they're not trying to remember 10 different cuts. What are your tips? Yeah, I think it's, it's practice and, and definitely preview plating. Like you don't want to just like throw it on a paper plate. And, you know, if you, if you can, it depends on your style of brewery, right? Like is it a paper plate crowd and you're just like snacking super low key or is it like more refined and you need to have like wood cheese boards and um like little cute knives and things like that uh, it's all about the style of the brewery um i think also like if you're going for more of a european style it could be like really elegant and um you know i don't know you could look at like the belgium area cheese plates you can always go back to the country i feel like or the terroir like the land and kind of start to take notes on nuances from there that could make it better like maybe there's a local flower you could put there you know these are the little things and then and knives like i was mentioning before there are hard cheese knives there are soft cheese knives if you're cutting a blue cheese you don't want to mix that knife with another cheese because then the blue mm. will permeate the other cheese and actually that cheese will start to grow some blue on it at some point so don't mix your cheese knives um or clean them in between of course um but i'm you can find out how to cut these things online, I believe. You can also talk to cheesemongers. They're your best friends or the sales reps who are at these boutique places or regional places. They'll also give you some tips, but also just practice. Practice helps. And, and you'll start to see how things crumble or not crumble. With knives, do you think it's best to have it pre-cut when you hand it to the guest or is offering your guests who are eating this cheese, you know, giving them the utensils, is that something you'd like to see happen? I, I think it's better to have it pre-cut. I notice people eat more of a cheese when it's uh portioned out to the ounce already um if you just put like uh say like a small wheel of something or like a chunk of something let's say people are really timid about cracking into a cheese they're like oh it looks so nice i don't want to you know and it's, it's until it's like decimated that everyone's like <laughs> they'll they'll go at it so i think it's really nice to portion the cheese first if you can and also yeah and also if you're with a bunch of people you know there's four three or four of you around a table you know it's chance to do equal share so you want to have you don't have a fight over the the cheese knife yeah that's true actually <laughs> so i know when i have like a charcuterie platter in front of me i will eat it till it's gone no matter how much <laughs> cheese and meats on it it's just going to disappear so but you know obviously you can't give people an unlimited supply of cheese you know when we talk portions what do you recommend for just a good serving yeah so bring it down by like how much you should have on a plate how much of unique cheeses i'd love to learn more yeah, absolutely. So um, the best thing, Andrew, is really to, again, keep it simple with the three cheese rule, I think. Then you can step it up to five cheeses on a plate or like a crazy maximum 10 because 10 is like overloaded. Your palate will, will be burnt out. But a three or five is really nice. And then depending on the amount of people eating the cheese plate, say it's like four people, you could do an ounce or an ounce and a half per cheese. And that will take care of everyone on a three to five spread you know what i mean so uh five being 
like a nice middle ground. And then you have, that's almost a quarter pound. Of, it's a little over a quarter pound of cheese. So that's, that's enough for somebody. And, and you're drinking beer. So I think it's really good to keep it in the, the ounce to one and a half ounce range. Two is very generous. Yeah, for sure. On a cheese plate. Well, that, that sounds fantastic. So we're looking at these cheese plates and you've recommended, you know, maybe starting with three different cheeses, you know, as you dive deeper into a cheese program are the unique angles breweries can take when, you know, featuring just local cheeses, perhaps imported cheeses, or even dare I say like a vertical of cheddars from all over the place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think it's really great to know what kind of personality your brewery is first to sort of then pair it to the cheese. And then you can start to do those kind of really cool like you can have an all American plate or you can have an all New York plate or you can have then like I was uh, mentioned to you earlier, like hybrid plate where you have a mix from all over because let's say you understand cheese well enough that you can uh, blend it by texture. You can look at it by milk type, which is cow, goat, sheep and buffalo milk. Um, if you start to understand those nuances in the cheese, you can really just pair up. Um, I, I think vertical pairings are really cool. Not enough people really know what they are to have like a cheddar from multiple places or a brie from say one from the U S one from France, one from, I don't know, somewhere else, California say like, I think that's, that's a cool way to start to understand a cheese in general. Um, so it's really, again, knowing the personality and then looking back at the history of say the cheese or the history of where you are and trying to make like a story from that and go, and build up on it. Um, you know, say if you're prohibition style, maybe there's like cheeses that started in another time that's close to that. And then you can like, you can do a play on that or there's colonial something or, you know, it's just, it's fun if you can put history into it, I think. Oh yeah. I, I love learning. And earlier we talked about, you know, how important it is to educate the staff on what they're serving. Do you have any recommendations for information to provide the guests? Should you provide them any tasting notes on a sheet of paper, any tips to make their experience more memorable? I know a lot of breweries are, you know, challenged with having the right amount of staff these days. So they might not get the time to do as much engagement as they'd like. So what are some other unique ways we can teach the guests about cheese? I think if anyone ever hands me uh, a piece of paper where I can take tasting notes and have the title of the producer and what the cheese name is so I can come back and reorder it or buy it somewhere else, I'm thrilled. Like that's, I'm like, bravo, you did well. <laughs> you did really, really well. Um, so I think that's great. If we want to go a little more modern and, and be a little more tech friendly, we could probably do a QR code that puts it to like a page that then you can save and order up maybe link it to a shop or, um, you know, the brewery itself. So you can order it again or something like that. Uh, but I, I totally think it's very important to get the correct information. So get the producer name, get the milk type, get the type of cheese it is and put it on there and, and spell it right <laughs> as well. You know, get it done. Adam, I how firmly, do you go, go ahead? Sorry, sorry. But I firmly agree with Kara. I think the more you give tasting notes, it allows them to also, it's almost like you're a guide to like what you should be discovering, be finding, maybe you don't know what you're actually you're tasting something, but you don't, you can't describe it, you know, but a good tasting set of, set of tasting notes or pairings, it allows, let's say, you're at the brewery, they have, let's say, a five beer sampler thing. And here are the three cheeses to try with each thing, or like, here's, here's the brewer's notes with the cheesemaker's notes, you know, the more you get that information, they're more involved. You know, I, I, I learned more here. I enjoy that. And then it can be then seasonal. Uh, I think one of the things I like to say also is like, is a chance to also work with your local producer. You know, if you are in a, a certain area and you have, let's say, two local cheesemakers in your area, it's a great chance to really align yourselves and work together. You know, they can hopefully sell your beer in their place or they can say, hey, go take your cheese and bring it over to the brewery 
where like they, they, they have this information they can share with each other. I mean, it's a chance to really do farm to table on both sides of the house. Yeah, indeed. No, Adam, you know, from your perspective, how do you think having a strong cheese game can, you know, increase appreciation of beer in the brewery? I think it totally helps. I mean, you're basically having a full experience. Uh, you're getting a chance to have pairings. You're getting a chance to taste different things. You have a chance to eat some food and not just get on the road after you, unless you bike to the brewery, but it gives you a chance to have some food and some bread and some cheese and more time to talk to someone, not just sitting there sipping a beer or eating pretzels. You know, it's a chance to expand your palate. And sometimes if people get more involved in these type of programs, you know, they have rotating cheese boards. They can have, you know, it allows the brewery more swag. I mean, you can put together a cheese board with your brewery's name on it, you know. There's more things you can be more creative on your swag. Maybe you want to sell that cheese board later on to people. You know, here's like, you know, here's Copland's Brewery and here's the, here's the, here's the cheese board, you know. But it, there's a lot of things you can do with that. No, that's a great idea, Adam. So I think we're at the point where we're talking about the elephant in the room right now. Tara, uh -oh. pricing. You know, what should we be charging for cheese and tap rooms? Yeah, yeah, no, it's, I mean, first break it down to the ounce. You know, a lot of stuff sold by pounds, of course, so. Get it down to the ass so, so you can figure it out. But then I I like it in the 20 to 25 range. I think that's very comfortable for a lot of people. If you go 30, 35, it might get a little tricky. I mean, and if you can get under 20, then you're actually in a crazy spot where you can make a lot of cheese plates. And I think people will just, I mean, because it's it's hard to do. I would, I would say you could probably pull off more imported cheeses, funny enough, um, for that kind of price point. If you go artisanal American, it's going to be too expensive. They don't have um, EU governments helping them out, so they, they need a higher price point. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I 20, 25, you're in a golden spot. And that's for like a four person. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm, that's the four person spot. If you can get the three cheeses. Um, but again, this is like really going into the details of it. Get the ounces, make sure you have the accoutrement. Um, if you're making the accoutrement, figure out how much that's going to cost. Accoutrement meaning the honeys, the nuts, the dried fruit. Uh, maybe there's a, a few pieces of salami on there or something, charcuterie. Um, I think it's possible still. It's hard, harder and harder to do it nowadays. But um, And then like 30, 35 is at the max. Otherwise, you're going into like raw seafood tower level of pricing. And I don't think anyone wants that. So uh, keep it simple. Keep it real. So Kara and Adam, before today's call, I was a big advocate of food and breweries. I am still a huge advocate of that. You know, I love going, I love having a meal, or I love literally yep. just having a bag of chips. If they offer it to me while I'm drinking, I'm going to dive in. I'm going to say yes, no questions asked, and I'm going to hang out a little bit longer. But, you know, talking about cheese today, I think made me appreciate, you know, why breweries should add cheese to their brewery a, a little bit more. You know, I thought it was a great idea for just an offering, a great idea for an event. But when you have cheese in front of you, it adds a whole new level to the experience. You know, if Adam and I are eating a pizza together, we're not going to analyze that pepperoni. We're not going to talk about the cheese. We're just going to eat it, right? And Kara, yeah. if you and I are just snacking on some pretzels, we're not going to analyze anything about these pretzels. But I think having that cheese component really adds that additional level of engagement education that's going to result in people hanging out a little bit longer. Because when do you get to enjoy cheese on this level? No, totally. I mean, it's it's totally an opportunity. Um, I think there's also like a way to like just make it your eyesight looking at cheese, like the ooey gooeyness or the popping color of say like an orange mimolette. I think people, it will make them hungry. It'll make them want to drink more. It's you're, you're talking again about flavors. Like you mentioned, Andrew, where you can like play back and forth. Oh, I think I like this pairing best or I like that best and just try to recreate it later. Or, you know, so they're going to take home cans of 
the beer and like buy the cheese at a shop later. And it's just this awesome synergy that like, I'm, I'm very excited to see more breweries take on cheese plates. Um, I know I've been talking about it for the last few years with Adam and yep. um, I'm, I'm excited to see someone really put an awesome program together. And I'm excited to visit. So Kara, when we're talking about breweries selling the cheese plate, you know, should they have a display case near the register? What do you see work? Because obviously, you know, when you see something, you want it more. And so often with breweries and let's say to go beer, it's hidden in the back corner. Some people don't even know it's an offering. How do you make the guest aware outside of, you know, encouraging it that you have this awesome item on your menu? Oh man, that's a really great question. Because if you could have like a glass case near the register where people could see these giant wheels of cheese sitting out, it would be really, really sexy cool. Like, I would be so excited about that. I'm closing um, my eyes right now and imagining it. Yeah, like, because wheels of cheese, when you see them anywhere, um, they can be very impressive. Like, they can be, like, I mean, Conte, for example, has an 86-pound wheel. Now, I'm not saying a brewery should get a giant, giant wheel like that, but, like, even seeing a giant wedge of it would be kind of cool. Or the Mimolette I was mentioning before, it looks like, um, like a cratered moon cantaloupe ball with this bright orange piece. And so... Yeah, I think it's it's a nice idea to show people what these cheeses are. Also, they may not know the names right away, whereas you do, they don't. So seeing it, they'll be like, I would like this this one. <laughs> it would I think, yeah, having some sort of display near your register, nearing a checkout where they're ordering, you know, some sort of snack plus a cheese plate could be really cool. No, I, I think also, I mean, put it politely, it, it's food porn and you want to give food porn out there. And if you, it's also allows someone who may be scared or reluctant to make the wrong decision and say, I want that. I like that. That looks good. I want that plate or that plate looks good. You know, some, many times you've been in like travel overseas. Sometimes you see, I just want like number 18 because that's what it looks like in the bowl, you know. But if you put a plate like that out there to a certain extent, people say, oh, I like oh, that looks good to me. Besides the wheels, like I, I want that. And that's like it's a trigger for them. Awesome. Really good tips there. Now, for anyone listening today or listening in the future who's interested in starting this cheese program, what do you both recommend as one thing they need to do right now as soon as they stop listening to you both? That number one action item they need to take away from today. That's a really, really good question. Um, I would say personally, I guess I would go out to a um, a store that sells cheese and just pick a few out to try and pair with the beer that I already make and then, and, and see how that goes. And then I would inquire about those cheeses to my distributor to start planning and getting pricing and availability. Cause not all cheeses, Adam mentioned seasonality before. So there's some cheeses that are, are not available year round. Uh, mm -hmm. Cheese making as a tradition is you, you know, you, you get milk in the spring, the summer, and then you have like fall, winter, and then you age it. You know, it's like, it's not usually around all the time, but you know, we're living in modern day. So there is cheese available <laughs> more often, but small guys, not so much. So um, my point is, yeah, start at your local spot, buy some cheese, then talk to a distributor and then start pricing menu planning for real, real and staff training, staff training too. Yeah. That's a little bit more than one action item, but I'll take it. Very helpful, Kara. Now, Adam, <laughs> outside of going to the cheese professor site, you know, what do you recommend someone do right now? Go back to the cheese professor site. Uh, but no, like what Kara said also, I would, I would basically look at my certain drive radius, like some local cheese shops and said, Hey, make a call and say, I'm an owner. You're an owner. Can you give me, can you give me something like a half hour before you open up whatever it is? Can I bring some beers in and can I pull some cheeses you like? And let's try some, let's try our own pairings, you know, try to work with the local community first, obviously, let's go to our local brewery. 
and then go back to, you know, if you have to source other places, but at least, you know, like cheddar's good with this type of stout, you know, or, you know, what goes, what cheese go, should go well with good style beer, you know, or even a hard seltzer, you know, what, what would taste well with that type of thing. So I would definitely reach out to the local. Maybe local like a slice of just American cheese with that seltzer. Is that probably a good pairing? <laughs> if you're selling it, sure. <laughs> I think also a key thing to note is also, I mean, Kara can jump on this also, is like, what's your expected margins? You know, you know what you what your margin in on a beer you're selling for $8 at the brewery, it's like, you know, maybe cost you a dollar to make, you know, it's a huge profit. You're not making the same type of profit margin on as a food product. So just put that in perspective. When you're putting together that $20 plate, the $25 plates, you know, maybe that $25 plate, maybe a couple dollars more, but you, you basically keep the margins you want to have. A good takeaway is right there. Now, Kara, you know, I could be setting myself up for failure on this one because I didn't ask if you were a beer drinker. But, you know, what are your personal beer and cheese favorite parents? Oh, yeah, I'm totally doing dry January right now. <laughs> um, that's a really, really awesome question. I, I do love IPAs with um, strong cheddars. I think those always kind of like a pineapple-y kind of sharp cheddar. Um I think it's super great. I love that. I also think um, like lighter beers. So maybe like um, Pilsners are funny because they can be kind of bitter sometimes, but like, or a low like American lager type can go really well with a Brie because Brie traditionally is great with champagne. So it's like that lighter, highly carbonated type drink could go great with a Brie. And so those are some of my right off the bat. But then if you go into the Belgium styles, like uh, that's good with like a stinky wash drying, something a little more funky, funk with funk, you know, and that maltiness and that high alcohol, it's, it can be good. Um, so right off the top of my head, those are just a few, but I can go on and on. You know, this is like, I just, I love this. I, it's, I, and I like beer. I do like beer. <laughs> love it. Adam, how about you? Any favorites? That's a good question. Uh, I probably go with some advice, have a vice in style, blonde ales with some brie, as Kara mentioned earlier, something lighter. If I can, Pair some Belgians with some Belgian style bell type solutions. Uh, I'm open, man. I really am. It's, I don't have really a set thing. I like to be creative that way. You know, I also like a spice, you know, like what I like a pepper jack with a nice porter or stout, you know, just have that balance to it. So I'm into that also. I think that's the fun of, you know, pairings and adding new things to your repertoire, you know, finding what works for you. Just like when you, you know, go into a brewery for the first time, you might have a flight, find the beer that calls your name. And just like when you go in and try some cheese, you're going to find what matches best with the beers you're drinking. Yes. Awesome. Definitely. No, you know, as we wind down, Kara and Adam, if someone's interested in getting a hold of you, you know, what's the best way to do so? And, you know, anything else you'd like to add? Um, well, I, you know, you can always write to me um, on Instagram. I'm at cutting the curd. I'm also at Kara Warren. So um, if you direct message me through that, it's pretty easy to find me. <laughs> Tell me more about your podcast. How can we listen? Um, yeah, so it's available wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, it's on the Heritage Radio Network, which is um, a network that was started as like a slow food, um, grassroots, cool, talking about different types of food things. I have the cheese program that's been around for over 10 years. I'm the current host, but I mean, it won't forever be my baby. It was started by Ann Saxelby, who's a, a legendary cheese person. So it's just, it's a cheese industry program. It's heavy industry, but um, if you want to get into curd nerdy life, it's a good one. I love all the puns today. Thanks for all the great information, Kara. Adam, how about you? How can um, get yeah, you can reach me at info at alcoholprofessor.com or info at cheeseprofessor.com. Also, alcoholprofessor on Instagram. 
my I have Skype, I have WeChat, I have WhatsApp, I got everything. And if someone's interested in getting involved with the New York International Beer Competition, which is you know going on shortly, how can we do so? Yeah, please go to nyibeercompetition.com. All our judges are trade buyers. We judge by category and by price, and we try to showcase those winners on our site, on both sides, the alcohol professor and the cheese professor. So, yeah, we're very excited for our 12th annual uh, New York International Beer Competition and also to our friends in the cider world, our fifth annual cider competition. So we're very excited for pairings of those. So if I win in that competition or I get recognized, are you going to tell me which cheese pairs best with my beer? Well, I'll do my best. <laughs> Worst case, we can reach out to Kara. She'll give some insight, right? Yes. I'm down. Uh, just give me a call. I'm, uh, I'm happy to help. You, you heard it here, everybody. Well, Kara and Adam, this conversation has been fantastic. I feel I need to re go to my grocery store right now and get some cheese to have in just a little bit. So thank you so much for all this great education. I look forward to seeing you both for beer and cheese, hopefully later this year. You Cheers. Bet. Thanks again. Thank you so everybody. much. Thank you. If you like this content... Please subscribe, share with other craft beer professionals, and give us a five-star review. Cheers.